it is hard for us to keep up with this president uh, who is constantly, constantly working every day to get things done and making sure that we are delivering for the American people. And that's what, and I think that's what matters. I get it. I get what you're asking me. The 2024 Republican presidential primary field is taking shape. The battle lines are becoming clearer and so is the field of candidates. Is the odds on favorites if you look at the polling still Trump versus Biden? That seems to be it, but it's just way too early to tell. I'm more angry now and I'm more committed now than I ever was. Big challenge for these candidates is going to be how do they navigate Donald Trump? And, and how do they navigate Ron DeSantis? You and I have a rendezvous with destiny. Did you guys know that it was so difficult to keep up with Joe Biden? I, it's hard, hard to know that because he's been on vacation, it seems like, the whole month. It's just so tough. It's yeah. just so hard to keep up with somebody that's just so spry. Running circles around us. Call me cynical, but I don't believe Karine Jean-Pierre is being entirely forthright <laughs> with the American people. <laughs> and that's what's so important. That's what's so important here. I mean, I just, I have no patience for it. The thing is, is like, I expect, like, it's her job to go out and defend the president. That's her job, right? Even when it makes you look like a complete asshole. Which is, you know, she's done quite well, I would say, over the last, uh, whatever, year and a half she's been on the job. But, like, at some point, you got to stare yourself in the mirror, don't you? Well, at least you don't have to, like, you don't have to embarrass yourself with this sort of performative idea that, you know, Joe Biden's doing backflips in the, <laughs> in the East Wing. It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> you know, just, like, just have a boilerplate response that you can memorize that's oh. like, you know, we're always feel very confident in the president's ability to do the job and this record of success is unprecedented or whatever you got to say. Whatever you got to say. But like, don't pretend like this guy's doing cartwheels. Like it's the boiler room in the West Wing I mean, right now. You know, the guy's running around demanding shit. Right. It, yeah. It's just not, He's on top of it, folks. He's literally been on the fucking beach for three weeks. Yeah. I mean, really. No, he reads every post-it note. Every every footnote of every brief, you know, He's asking for source documents from the Library of Congress. It's just there's there's a doctor who I read about today who's on the record saying that Joe Biden has spent one hundred thousand dollars with him on facelifts and hair plugs Wait, really? and the like. There there certainly is. Well, you noticed before he ran, you know, he he like basically went into hiding. I mean, he was fairly public, and then he was not for yeah. like a mm -hmm. year, and then he reemerged. It, it did look like they pulled a balloon over a skeleton when he came back. Taut. The face looked taut. Yeah. You know. And, I mean, he definitely had some work done there, which, you know, look, hey, you're a public figure, you're entitled to do whatever you'd like to do. Mm -hmm. Lord knows the uh, Hollywood community has done a fair amount of that. But let's not act like it's brand new. Like, this yeah, guy is right. just 25 years old. Same, ready to go get him. Same I'm, as he's always been. Just waiting for that Corvette. He's got to get back to Delaware so he can drive around <laughs> in the convertible. God, in those fucking sunglasses oh man as you can tell uh it's been it's been a long couple of weeks for the variety program and we've enjoyed every single minute of it but my tolerance at this point is got is waned it's getting a little chippy it's waned a touch plus we don't have smugglesworth again we don't have smugglesworth which you know the lighthearted smugglesworth always brings up the crowd yeah uh and then mcdaniel I mean, I felt like we were. This was like ruthless 1.0 in in October of 2020. Today, we don't have uh, three quarters of the document that we're looking for. Yeah, we didn't have the five stars. We didn't have winner of the week as a segment. I mean, I I didn't even get my red M and M's. 
Yeah. You know? I I mean, we're becoming divas at this thing not, now. Not we to, have expectations. Not to worry. The old man has added all of those I things. I did those in. things. He did those things. Yeah. And managed to insult me about my slack use in the process. Well, oh, look. You want to get do, into do it? you want to get into it? Yeah, I'll get into it. Okay. Well, I set up the Slack when we started the podcast, and I generated accounts for everybody. Literally, all you had to do was sign in and use the damn thing, and you couldn't figure out how to do what it. Do you you like lost your password. Am I on Slack? You're on Slack Did now. Did I ever Be ask you for your pa for a password? No, you had me generate a whole new Slack account for you because you couldn't fa ha figure out how to get into the last one. And so now <laughs> Holmes has two profiles in Slack, both with the basic gray avatar, you know, so oh, I'm sorry I didn't. It turns I out dance it up for it, you. It tur pal. turns out. Do you want me to do like a little? Should I get a little smiley face on there? Something for you to feel good about? Well, look, I don't, I don't care what you do with it. All I'm saying is, poor Wolf has been working here for three months. He's been DMing you in Slack to the non-existent account that you don't, you don't have the login for. Well, it was Wolf well knows, and this is not a shot at Wolf, but he could walk three and a half feet out of his uh, desk over to mine and give a knock on the door. Yeah, I know, but he what, does he have to print it off as a PDF to show uh, it to you? I mean, go. maybe he's trying to show you content from the internet. It's a tweet or it's something. Look, all I'm saying is this problem could be solved with three clicks of your mouse to change the profile picture on the Slack account that you use. I just want to be so we know it's the active one. That's it. That's just, all you have to do. This is such a boomer problem. I just want I just want I just want to be totally clear that I understand what I need to do here in order for everybody in the show to be satisfied. Yes. What I need to do is make sure that all my online profiles have a neat little picture that everybody can relate to in order to get the message. It's not necessary for most people because most people don't have two profiles in a Slack channel. I mean, it's the least you can do, really. I mean, I didn't know that I had to set up. Do I have to put my likes and dislikes on there? I'm just saying. Favorite color? This is a boomer problem. What's my? Am I an Aries, Michael? Should I add that? <laughs> just, literally just any picture. <sighs> I've got a lot to say. Uh, anyway, uh, back to the program at hand. Yeah. We have a couple of things. One is we've got a great guest. You've heard Kurt Schlichter here a couple of times before. Uh, he's always an entertaining guest, mm -hmm. uh, but he came, he swung through D.C. for this one. We got him here in studio. You'll love it. He shot out of a cannon, yeah. as always. Brought a lot of energy. Brought a lot of energy, and he brought us some wine, too, which is a very kind gesture, a tribute. Yes. As one does. We always appreciate that. As one does. Uh, as we said, Smug is in Japan. Um, uh, on a serious note, uh, there was news this week of Majority Leader uh, Steve Scalise, mm -hmm. who was diagnosed with cancer. Uh, he saw his statement. Uh, they feel like they caught things early. He's very positive about his outlook. But obviously, that were thoughts and prayers here. Uh, he's a very good man, done a lot for this country, and he is as tough as an ox in every single way. So we're thinking about him. Wanted to shout out at the top. Uh, now let's get into some five stars, huh? Which we you had to procure, if I'm not mistaken. I did. I did. But we always go first to The Voice. Okay, this first one is from Kathy Cat 8419 and the title is Variety It Is. Kathy Cat writes, from found from MK, her ruthless segments were my favorite. Behind the scenes, political insights, informative interviews, signature media games, laughter, and news from the animal kingdom. A variety program indeed. P.S. Smug is missed when he is gone. Oh, Aww. very kind. And a thoughtful gesture here as he's continued to be missed. That's right. And yeah, apropos for today and last I would week. like the record to note that I didn't have to pick this one. 
Oh, it's a, it's a kind gesture on your I, part. I gave Smug the shout out. He is due. A thoughtful old man move. Yeah. And what Michael has chosen for himself is, yes. a, is a quite relevant <laughs> five star. And here's where I get selfish. Okay. <laughs> this five star, is, uh, the title is Disgruntled Hoosier. Oh, boy. And this is um, uh, from Mitch Daniels' Closet Skeleton. <laughs> what is Interesting. That? What a name. Okay. I am a smug minion circa 2014 and day one podcast listener. Hell yeah. We love mm -hmm. to hear that. Uh, who is yet to miss an episode. Fantastic. I have let the fellas, I have let the fellas Indianapolis slander slide for too long. Mm. <laughs> I'm, to glad, I'm glad somebody's standing up for Indianapolis. Unbelievable. <laughs> uh, to disparage the crossroads of America in front of the Vice President Pence was outrageous and cannot stand. Indy is the best sports town in this and then it's cut off but uh eloquent to the point um true i thought it was an outrage and i'm so glad the that best we had sports in here. the best sports town we have the indy 500 it's the home of the ncaa what's the name of the hockey team again okay Maybe. oh no no, no. It's, it's probably just because it's the baseball stadium right you're thinking of the Indianapolis Indians, the a storied uh, franchise it's like the second oldest triple-a team in the country i'll give them credit for keeping the name yeah. Is it still the Indians? Well, we don't back down in Indiana. <laughs> the Pacers. You had Rick Smiths for a while. <laughs> we had Reggie Miller. <laughs> Rick Smiths blast. <laughs> the most the most feared three point shooter. I guess Steph Curry is the only one who's who's come close. Yeah. Yeah. No, Larry Bird was a real schmo when it came to right. that. I mean, no. I mean, for whatever reason, he real, did not. On, he didn't on, choose to stay. On a, on a real state. note, on a real note, though, though, like there were a few years there. Maybe you remember some of those like playoff series against I do. the Knicks and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Whereas, like, if Reggie did get the ball in the last minute, like he was hitting a three. Well, it was the nine points in the twelve seconds yeah. or whatever it was in in Madison Square Garden yeah. that really sort of made him. Remember famous. the choke, the choke. Yeah, that yeah. was that was good. He was good. Yeah, I like that little sports blast from the past. And incidentally, we're getting awfully close here to football. Yes. Real football going yeah, on. Yeah, tonight is the first college game. Florida, Utah. Yeah, Florida and Utah. A little disappointed that Cam Rising um, won't be playing for Utah. He was injured in that Rose Bowl against Penn State, um, you know, earlier back in, I guess, in January. Um, I think he tore his ACL or something, and they, they thought he might be ready for the game, which is a, is a little disappointing. You don't know, see him out there because that guy could sling it. Yeah. Well, it's nice to have it back. And you know, the thing I can't wait for is noon on Saturday when prime time Deion Sanders <laughs> takes his Colorado Buffaloes totally. into Texas Christian University and we see what they're made of. Very, very tough. I'm game. excited about it. I Listen, I've been a Deion Sanders enthusiast since I was very young, mm -hmm. uh, back in his Florida State days. And uh, to watch what he's done to the game of, of college football at Jackson State and now Colorado. Mm -hmm. like if he's successful here, oh, gosh, it's just, like, great to see. I mean, cool. Let's see it on the field. That's all I'm saying. feel like there's been a lot of hype. I feel like they've gotten a disproportionate amount of for press. Your, for your health and well-being, I hope he loses. Because if he wins, you're going to hear about it a lot. I get it, dude. I'm just saying I feel like there's a lot of underreported um, you know, teams out there that I'd like to know more about. 
And I feel like every day I'm getting a push notification from ESPN about prime time this and prime time that. I get it. He they showed like, up and he said, just, they like, my luggage is Louie. And it's like, okay, well, let's see the product on the field now. But That's you, all I'm saying. You, you didn't hear Heidner Hair of Colorado until he showed up. So they fit yeah, they the category miserable, of miserable team that nobody's heard about. Yeah. Look. I get it, and he's going to be a game changer. Lincoln Riley was a game changer for USC, and look, they had a Heisman Trophy winner. They didn't win the Pac-12. They didn't win the Pac-12. Which so, is, yeah. All I'm saying is there's a limit to what a coach look, can do. We'll see. We'll see. And we'll see. All I'm saying is, like, if they win, everyone's going to be going crazy. TCU, I think, is going to have a down year overall, and so everyone's going to just overread the tea leaves regardless of what happens on Saturday. But I'm excited because it's so much ball. I love it. It's all day. I, I also wanted to know, because NFL, which I, you know, all of us follow, like it's our job. Yeah. Uh, we were in fan, a fantasy league together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, you had the audacity to draft Kirk Cousins. And Jamar Chase. I did. So I hopefully the, the listeners will appreciate this. But, <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't think I have a lot to look forward to with my Indianapolis Colts. I'm trying to take it all in and, and try to lower the expectations. They're already pretty much in the fucking basement. <laughs> And, you know, you're, you're thinking, okay, well, Anthony Richardson, at least it'll be something to watch. Like, he's going to go out there and he's going to make a couple of plays. Maybe he throws two interceptions every single game. But who cares? Like, at least it'll be entertaining. It'd be nice if he had a running game to supplement that. But, nah, it's neither here nor there, I guess. Sure. Anyway, <laughs> so we were drafting for the for, all pro. for fantasy. We're drafting for fantasy. And I had the, the number two pick. So, you know, I took Jamar Chase, obviously, as one does. But I took him especially because my friend John Ashbrook – talks about the Bengals incessantly I have to hear about it every single day so I might as well get something out of it and you know we're doing one of those snake drafts so like I'm not drafting again until like in the 40s you know it's a huge oh, huge so huge lead integrate my quarterback in addition to taking no 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 what I'm saying what I'm saying is is I had a lot of time to think <laughs> I had a lot of time to think and so I was thinking to myself oh wow you know what this would be a good goof <laughs> There's a couple quarterbacks I could have taken. I actually reached for old Kirk Cousins. Well, it, it, because because then I thought to myself, wow, I've really cracked the code. I got basically nothing to root for with the Colts. But if I take a Viking and I take a Bengals player every day, it's a hedge. I'm either yeah, I'm either going to have something that I can high five with you or something I can bitch about. <laughs> you know, like Jamar Chase. Like where'd he go? He just faded from the whole game. Or if you're going to come in here and be like, boy, did you see them Bengals? I'm going to be like, hell yeah, got me 25 points. <laughs> I think I cracked the code. John, I think what he's done is formulate a championship franchise. He sure has. And that starts with Jamar Chase, <laughs> Cincinnati Bengals wide receiver number one. And you know, one of my favorite things about that draft, Michael, is that when I play you, my quarterback, who is Joe Burrow, will throw passes to your receiver, who is Jamar Chase, and cancel them out. I mean, that's that's absolutely fine. All I'm saying is that I... I previously would have gotten zero out of it. Zero. And now I get something. I have the same thing because I have Justin Jefferson. Oh, so. you have Jefferson? Yeah. Right. So, so like, I'm getting paid on all sides here. Yeah. Canceled out. You love to see it. All right. Let's get into the real, uh, well, I don't even know if it's the reason that you tune into us uh, on a daily basis, but it might be. <laughs> I did, look, we did a recap and an analysis of what we thought we saw in the debate. Yeah. The funny thing is over this last week, they've been had a whole bunch of polls where it's not just like a snap poll afterwards. They've just gone out in the field. And it turns out like basically everything we were saying has come to fruition Mm -hmm. in terms of where the growth was in potential vote and actual like state ballot questions. Uh, What's been interesting 
is the Trump campaign put out through their pollster, Tony Fabrizio, who's a, a friend. We worked with him for a lot of years, uh, that they are seeing a lot of Nikki Haley surge. Now, you can interpret that a couple of ways, right? For one, they certainly have been focused on trying to take Ron DeSantis down. Right. Which this does that. But also it kind of mirrors a lot of the things that we've been seeing post-debate is that Nikki Haley, who was liked by almost everybody, needed to see a moment during the debate when she was a real ball buster. Mm -hmm. And you got that yeah. in spades. And she took care of business. Yeah. So now the Trump campaign is putting out this thing. Tony Fabrizio is telling Republican donors, and this is in Axios, uh, that Nikki Haley has surged in Iowa since last week's GOP presidential debate and that she and Ramaswamy are essentially tied with DeSantis in New Hampshire, according to a polling memo obtained by Axios. Fabrizio's memo sent to fundraisers and allies of former President Trump said all three remain far behind in the first two states that will vote in the GOP primary. Haley and Ramaswamy are widely seen as doing well in the debate, but the memo also reflects Team Trump's emphasis on DeSantis's early struggles. I'm shocked. Weird. <laughs> and it's trying to shift the campaign's narrative from Trump versus DeSantis to Trump versus everyone else. Yeah, I, mean, I think this is one of those scenarios where both things happen to be true. Yeah. Num number one, it is real. Nikki Haley had a great debate. Uh, especially on the foreign policy stuff where she really showed her chops. And also the Trump campaign would love to talk about that because it benefits them to make this race about more people than Ron DeSantis. Yeah. Although, I mean, look, I saw an Iowa poll today that showed DeSantis back up into the 20s. And Ramaswamy, a distant, distant fourth. Yeah. It's tough to understand. And, I, you know, I, I guess I haven't looked enough at the sort of the screens and stuff and which ones. I, my instinct is, is the ones that contain online panels. As a percentage, Ramaswamy does better than those. Oh, no question. You know what I mean? No question. And and, and that, that sort of his constituency is a very online, more libertarian uh, part of the party. And so he's sort of, he sort of over-indexes there in those polls. But then some of the other ones, he's much lower down. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Well, anyway, I just found this fascinating, right? Because they've got clearly they're seeing what's real mm -hmm. in that Nikki did have an extraordinarily good debate and people are responding to it. Incidentally, just this is total anecdotal, no science behind it. But did you guys notice in the last in Atlanta, in Iowa and in Milwaukee, anytime you encountered a woman primary voter, they loved Nikki Haley. And it, I think this is underreported because, you know, People say, you know, of course, you know, there's an adhesion there and whatever, but Republican voters don't operate like everyone else. I mean, they, they really, I don't care if you're a male or a female, like you, you just, you have your candidates that you like and don't like. Mm -hmm. It was striking to me. You couldn't find a woman at any one of those venues that didn't have incredible things to say about her. Yeah. she. I mean, I, and I think... I don't think it's any mystery because she's obviously incredibly competent. That comes across when she talks, every time she talks. She's obviously incredibly accomplished. Mm -hmm. Everybody knows that from her resume and her work at the UN and everything else. But there is something about her that 
I mean, like I'll just say, like your daughters in my right? in my own household. I, I remember my wife texted me while we were doing our Iowa show, and Nikki walks out on stage and she texted me and she was like, "I don't know what's going on in this house, but all of these girls are going nuts <laughs> because they love her. They just they absolutely love her, and so there, she's got some sort of like an an it factor that really works. Yeah, and um, you know, it's something that you can't just. You can't just put together in like a political consulting shop. It's like a natural ability. Yeah, I think it's underreported. And I, I agree I think, with you. I think that there's something to this. Now we'll see ultimately how that all pans out. But it was the one thing that really stuck to me yeah. that I didn't know about beforehand. Anyway, um, Trump, <laughs> not surprisingly, is open to Ramaswamy as a vice president. This young man with all these nice things to say about you? <laughs> I am shocked. I am shocked. <laughs> I think it was, I don't know where he did this interview. Uh, he did an Axios. It's another Axios story. Yeah. Yeah, but it, no, it was a Glenn Beck interview, though. Oh, yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. And they were talking about this, and so he floated uh, whether 38-year-old biotech entrepreneur Vivek Ramaswamy would be somebody that he'd be interested in. And he said he's a very, very intelligent person. He's got good energy, and he could come, uh, he could some could be some form of something i don't know exactly what that means that's like classic trump ambiguity mm -hmm. right i mean i don't know what that means i don't know that he knows some that form means. of something some form of something is it and they should put that on the sure sticker. sounds like vice president <laughs> <laughs> i tell you i think he could be very good trump says uh and the exchange came less than a week after the first gop debate clearly where Ramaswamy said he's been the best president of his lifetime. Yeah, and, and also I'm, ru I'm running him. against him for some reason. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. But what I what I did love about this interview was when Trump said, and he's speaking of again, again about uh, Vivek. Uh, he's starting to get out there a, a little bit. He's getting a little bit controversial. <laughs> I gotta tell him, be a little bit careful some things you have to hold in just a little bit right <laughs> and it's like so i don't care if you are a 16 primary and general election and 2020 donald trump voter the first thing that comes to mind when you think of donald trump is not restraint <laughs> no, it just no. isn't no like no. this guy's made his whole political career on telling you every single sentence he's ever thought about politics and it's worked for Donald Trump. Yeah, totally. I guess what I don't see in this, and he's probably thinking of like the 9-11s and inside job thing, right? I, that's like got, that's got to be among the the items. Sure. Well, <laughs> I mean, for, for I'm all, just spitballing. <laughs> like for for all the for all the negative stuff we've said about Vivek, like I think we've actually been pretty. F fair about how he did in that debate like he did everything he was support supposed to do and if you read you know in the previous story when we, he talked about that trump memo they mentioned that as well not a big surprise um but look i mean he's like he's young and he's brilliant and he's very very good speaking extemporaneously he's charismatic and let's let's be honest there's a lot about his message to like the woke ink book of that course. he wrote this some of these early ads that he's rolled out he's he's saying something that a lot of people out well, there the are thinking 1.0 thing i didn't disagree a even moment about yeah the, but the vivek from the book is not the vivek who's running for president that's yeah. that's the thing like you could just I, I mean like don't take my word for it read all the excerpts that are out there online of things that he said where he said mike pence did the right thing and now he's saying 
I, I, Mike, if I was Mike Pence, I would have done, you know, election day only paper ballots. And it's like, you, yeah, the, rather rather than just criticizing the guy who actually had the job of president of the United States, he bent over backwards to invent, you know, the vice president's role as somebody who can introduce legislation. Doesn't make any sense. And, and unilaterally pass it. Right. It, I mean, set aside the whole federalizing the elections thing or whatever, but like, it doesn't make any sense. The the Vivek from those books is all as smart and more, but more authentic, I think, than the Vivek that's running right now. But of course, I mean, Trump's going to dangle this carrot in front of the guy because he wants to keep say, like showing up at every debate and saying nice things about Donald yeah, Trump. Right. He, he, he seems authentic. The Vivek from the MSNBC panel where he asked Al Sharpton a question about who he should vote for between John Edwards yeah, wasn't and John that, Kerry. That was wild. That seemed authentic yeah. at the time. The Vivek, who I'm sure did a whale of an interview with the Soros Foundation for an internship, oh, I'm sure he seemed on. authentic at that. <laughs> I don't think my there's... only point. My only point. I don't is think that... the Soros thing is fair. I think they probably just listed him on a website, right? Okay. Well, I, I mean, I, I don't. I, I don't. Know. I don't remember them listing Donald Trump on a website. Well, that's certainly yeah. I don't. I don't remember them. I'm sure Donald. Really, Trump, I'm sure I mean, Donald Trump said some nice things about, you know, the World Economic Forum at one point too, though. Well, I mean the. FEC listed him as a Hillary Clinton donor too, so you know. Yeah, nothing matters anymore. No, but I mean, look, I, I don't know what you. I would love to get your guys' take on this. I don't think for a second he'd ever pick Vivek. No, I don't no, think so. Like, I, I, like not at all. Not for one second. I mean, number one, I don't think Trump would ever entertain the possibility of being upstaged by his vice president no, as right. being a guy who could create a viral moment. Right. That's why Carrie Lake's not an option either. Right. I, I just I think that is disqualifying in and of itself. So what does he do? I mean, I don't know. I mean, it may be a, a, a thought for another day, but it seems to me like I've heard from sources. Oh, you have. Mm. I have you know, people are telling you, me. Are you going to spill it here on the program? Well, do you think I should? Yeah. Tim Scott. Interesting. Tim Scott. I mean, it would. That's what I'm hearing. It would make sense. Uh Tim, who's been vocally critical of President Trump on many occasions before his presidential run has been nothing but laudatory since he's been running for president. So, yeah, maybe. And Trump gets over this, the long term stuff if you're saying short term good stuff. Right. Right. You know, I don't I don't know if Tim Scott would be interested in the job, but that's what I'm hearing. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. All right. Let's do a quick lightning uh, winner of the week. Uh, Smash, what do you got? Uh, I, I just don't see how you give it to anybody other than Nikki this week after that debate performance and after the resulting poll, uh, you know, that Fabrizio rolled out at Axios. Really not a whole lot more that needs to be said. I think that Nikki won the week. Yep. Go. I got to give it to Vivek. I mean, look, I think he's probably wrong about most of the stuff he's saying, but he's dominating the conversation and he's getting out there and he's doing every interview he possibly can. I think he steps in it a lot because he talks too much. But in the politics of attention, which seems to be all our politics is about these days, he is capturing it. And for that reason, he's my winner of the week. Yeah, fascinating. Okay. All right. I'm going to go with Ronnie D for different reasons. He left the campaign trail. But if, for those of you who tuned in at all the cable news, and I know that's not a lot of you anymore as it used to be, um, he's all over the place with his storm preparedness stuff. And to be honest with you, it's kind of his best stuff. I mean, this is... Where the way that he framed his reelection for governor in 2022 is not only a conservative warrior who gets things done, but he's also a competent manager and can make sure he takes care of people. 
and he did that in many many storms a lot of a lot of practice there in the state of florida this is no joke mm-hmm. that hurricane was no joke and it looks to me like they're doing their job and you just have a sense of confidence with him behind the podium doing hurricane stuff that not everyone has so, so personal story on that and you like you've got parents in florida yeah. as well yeah home so you probably have something similar from last year um but you know i you know people might not believe believe this like i didn't really think about him as presidential candidate ron DeSantis until you know i saw like last hurricane season and how confident of an administrator he was yeah and i remember my parents, you know, talking about how serious it was and really being worried I wasn't going to be able to get in contact with them. Totally. And yeah, I remember I, mean, I was the same. I mean, they took the direct hit on that. One. Yeah, yeah, they took the real direct hit. And um, I remember like how quickly I was able to get in contact with my parents because the DeSantis administration had all these mobile cell they towers, staged cell towers, they staged these cell towers, which like just do just like on like a personal level yeah i was so grateful totally. for that i had the peace of mind that i could still talk to my parents even totally. though like half the block was underwater yeah i mean my parents were sending me videos of like the street flooding over yeah in real time right from these cell towers right. i was like this is impossible and in just... like in outside of all of the back and forth petty politics stuff that we deal with on this show like every single episode it was one of those rare things where it was like, wow, that guy's, he's got something. I actually appreciate I actually appreciate yeah, that. Right. You know well, what people, I mean? People, yeah. people give him a hard time for his personality, but what you've just described makes people appreciate professionalism over personality. I yeah. Think. Well, at some point, don't you just want somebody who can effectively manage the, the country? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, turns out you look at this important. administration, it's like, boy, that would be a breath of fresh air. Yeah. Right. Um, all right. So I got to get to this. Uh, we're going to play a game today, but before we get to it, boys, I saw this study. Oh, oh the study. I know, you're, I know where you're going here. I'm angry about it. Okay. Uh, study finds, as mm-hmm. McDaniel often goes to this well beer goggles are a myth Mm -hmm. but booze does give drinkers courage to approach attractive strangers let me read before i get this uh your reaction to this Mm -hmm. do beer goggles really make someone at the bar look more attractive a new study is debunking a popular myth Mm. but it's also confirming another instead of finding others more appealing researchers found that alcohol boosts drinkers confidence making it easier for them to approach attractive strangers the research reveals that while alcohol increases the likelihood of approaching someone you find attractive it does not in fact hmm. enhance their appearance well josh some people look to science to explain the mysteries of life <laughs> some people look to art <laughs> So I'd like to read you a few lines from a poem. Oh, oh my no. God. Oh, my God. So he, 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 he told us he might have something for one of our segments, but I he do. didn't tell us which, and I, I just I can't wait for this. <laughs> I'd like to read you a few lines from a, a famous poem. Oh, my God. Grabs him a girl, and he holds on tight. He's chasing everything in sight. He'll fall apart when he gets home, but right now his worries are gone. Life looks good, good, good. Billy's got his beer goggles on. And that poem was written by Neil McCoy, famous country singer who described one of life's great mysteries, beer goggles. 
Well, this study is an affront to that poem. Um, the clash between science and art. Here's the problem that I have with this. It runs up against every life experience that anyone I know has ever uh, experienced in their life. And I don't know a lot of people who've gotten too drunk that they slept with an attractive woman. Yeah. Like, I oh, don't oh, know anybody who's had that. Oh, no, I blacked out last night and went home with a 10. <laughs> something something people have never said. I don't I don't know anyone who has been like, oh, I was such a wreck. It's I I woke up next to Elle McPherson. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How am I going to explain this? <laughs> that's not what that's not what happens. So no. are they saying they're, they're basically saying the study is saying that you would ordinarily find <laughs> the slump buster uh, super attractive. No, I is that I mean is that that's by inference. I think the problem with science in a, in a situation like this is it's not it's not speaking from experience. These scientists, you know, they're too busy in the lab. <laughs> So they don't. I just don't think they're using the terms correctly here. They don't know. They're trying to define. They don't. They're missing the definition of beer goggles. Well, see, this is the thing about art, and specifically country music, is it's people who are speaking from lived experience, and this is an instance, an instance in which yeah, what lived is experience is important. Three chords and the truth. Well, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> but the study. It's a great the, line. By the, the study way. saying. You know, beer goggles make somebody more attractive, I think, is the wrong framing. It lowers your inhibitions of what your maybe your general beauty standard is. <laughs> right? I think that's well said. Or, or, or saying it, it lowers your standard sometimes for your own self-respect. Sure. In, in the sense of like. Well, it's a yes, no, it's yeah. a known downer. No, what, unless you're drinking tequila, right? What, <laughs> known downer. What I'm saying, what what I mean in that is like, I've known plenty of people who've like slept with an ex, you know, because they got too drunk, and they know in their sober state they shouldn't. Sure. And they would no longer find them attractive, but yeah. boy, do they when they're drunk. Oh, you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I mean, listen. And so I think the scientists here are just. They're operating from a lack of experience, and I, I, it really, it makes me think study finds doesn't know what's going on. It, it, it qu makes me question everything. If it doesn't come from P NAS, from here on out, I'm out. If, if, <laughs> well, I, I got. Of course, this study's not going. P NAS would not print this. P NAS wouldn't come within a country mile. Maybe that's why it's like in this. study finds. And, and, and we know from experience in some five stars that we have some, uh, we have some listeners who are cool scientists. Who have been published in PNAS, <laughs> <laughs> and only cool scientists get into the you know the PNAS. Well, only PNAS. cool scientists that call it PNAS. That's right. Uh, are in PNAS, but I'll be I'll just be honest. Like from the house that I lived in in college, and watching what was marching out the next day. Yeah. Let me just assure the American public that beer goggles are in fact a very real thing <laughs> because there is no other explanation none on this planet <laughs> all right okay uh with all of that said fellas let's play a game okay well it's thursday and that can mean only one thing king of the hill 
Let's go. Let's go ringside. Ladies and gentlemen, your attention, please. It's time for King of the Hill. In the blue corner, fighting out of her own Twitter account for a chance to reclaim her crown. Tommy Cherry Jacobus. And now, in the red corner, fighting from a blinking cursor on a Word document, and current champion of the world, David, where did you come from? Wow. Wow. You know, I just appreciate that it's the same level of energy and commitment at each and every broadcast. Yeah. It's just, it's a professionalism that you can't teach. Well, that's what you you get by listening to the Variety program. Oh, it's so good. And we're rocking this a little uh, old school because I will be judging jury, uh, <laughs> my rightful place on the throne of judgment. <laughs> <laughs> um, and as you heard there from our intro, John Ashbrook has brought Sherry, my Sherry, in as the challenger. She's you, always a tough out. She is. You've won with her many times. Uh, but you have from our defending champion. And, but he, what is he? Is he three or four time? I mean, at this point, he is. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I think we should actually make a point of saying something about this because there was some talk that after three ta- three wins, we would have to bench the champ. Yeah. But T-Rec, who is a noted observer of the Yeah. Keeps medium, all the stats. He keeps all the stats. And the guy is just a terrific guy. And he argued that maybe we don't need to just bench these guys. And I thought it was persuasive. We all thought it was persuasive. Yeah, I thought it was persuasive. It made sense because, you well, know. Of course you find it persuasive. You're the champ. Well, yeah, but, you know, I mean, look, up until the last, like, six-week run, from was not, like, a first-round draft pick. No. No, he, I mean, you've done remarkably well with him. He's He has come up golden for the Holmes team. Um so round one. All right, so round one, I start. I'm going to pull up exhibit four, Wolf. And this is uh, David Frum in reaction to the debate ah, last Wednesday. This will be good. DeSantis is already defeated in his own mind. He has no debate plan, not even the stupid plan written by his super PAC. He may not formally quit for some time, but he has given up. <laughs> wow wow oh and it's a whole thread oh yeah no oh, he had more thoughts i'm oh, sure they're he's brilliant got, he's got no he's got all kinds of thoughts wow he has all kinds of thoughts but as you know i adhere to the rules here no no i appreciate that on on well, the variety program well you have to know with me as judge and jerry i'm gonna run a tight ship well you're a real stickler um okay smash okay lee uh let's put up exhibit one please Exhibit one, cherry my cherry. She says, actually, sects of state are in violation of the Constitution if they allow Trump's name to appear on the ballot. Trump indictment is not required, but helps politically. And she quotes from a story. And she's she is tweeting over a story about how some secretaries of state are trying to challenge Trump's ability to be on the ballot. And she is arguing that it doesn't matter whether they challenge it or not, because Cherry says, "Oh, she declares that'll hold up in court." She declares that they're in violation of the Const- U.S. Constitution 
if they allow Trump's name on the ballot. <laughs> That's quite a take. <laughs> wow. Okay, who wants to go first here? Defending your take. Well, I mean, I don't know. I, yeah, mine's I, pretty straightforward. I, I don't know that I need to provide additional. I mean, the idea that Ron DeSantis, who really threw his back into the, not only the debate, but the next day he showed up at the Field of Dreams yeah. and had his whole staff out there like setting up a unbelievable setting in order to do that and then traveling like three other places immediately doesn't seem like the kind of guy who had given up in his own mind. Well, was, I think the thing that was interesting in... in reading that tweet is like it seems like a tweet that he pre-scheduled for during Didn't the debate it? because it felt like that because i mean he was saying that that desantis was low energy i mean the guy was borderline giving a rally like <laughs> like that was his energy level with every one of his responses and if anything he ignored completely ignored the memo from the super PAC. right so like there's no no there's not even like a kernel of truth to how the debate actually occurred contained within that tweet. Right. There are constitutional scholars in our society, <laughs> and then there is Cherry Jacobus, who understands the letter of the law and its meaning as well. <laughs> and she applies it in this way. Actually, secretaries of state are in violation of the Constitution if they allow Trump's name on the ballot, period. She doesn't she doesn't cite any part of the constitution to suggest like that he is ineligible she, is she saying she she does simply doesn't need to michael uh, because of, the same way sherry fact it just as just as any one of our founding fathers who attended that constitutional convention and put pen to paper <laughs> for the first time she is herself declaring what the constitution means yeah that wins round one i yep. knew it that it was does. a good sell it it's was good. a good sell. Well, i had to make him work for it a little you did uh, the challenger in round two. Okay, so before we put up the exhibit, Lee, I, I, I'm. Are just we going to do a big preamble? No, here? it's not a big preamble, but I do need to explain because it's a reply. I just need to okay. share what she's replying to, and so there was news posted by a reporter about the Proud Boys sentencing being called off, and so this guy Enrique Tario uh, and some guy named Biggs. Um, that their sentencing was called off, and it's unclear why. That's what the reporter wrote. Okay. And, Lee, if you'll pop up her... Is this going to be a Merrick Garland take? If you'll pop up her reply. Sherry Jacobus, do you think someone should be nervous? And she puts a photo of oh the... God. She puts a photo of the bomber next to Marjorie Taylor Greene. She's inferring that Marjorie Taylor Greene was, in fact, the DNC bomber. Wow. I've never in my life heard anybody suggest <laughs> that Marjorie Taylor Greene is the actual bomber. I mean, I get that she's a public figure, but like that's got to be borderline defamation, it's right? Not, it's not borderline. <laughs> she's it's the most outrageous thing. She's only banking on that a public official would not sue her pants. Yeah. Lee, Lee, would you mind popping that back up? I, again, I just want to make sure. I want to see if the top of it. Okay, so you can't see the top of it where it says Cherry Jacobus reposted. Oh, okay. I, I, I get that now. I appreciate that. I also appreciate that she ended it with a question mark. So she can uh, she can say, well, I was just asking questions. <laughs> Marjorie Taylor Greene is the DNC bomber. Wow, that's hot. You better bring your best. <laughs> I've switched okay. exhibits.
Okay. For this, uh, this is going to be Exhibit Seven. Wolf, pop her on up. The Trump mugshot is rapidly becoming the Che Guevara T-shirt of the far right, a way to display on your body that you reject democracy and the rule of law. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> Che Guevara. Huh. Let's let that sink for a minute. Think of the implications that we're talking about here. Let's let's rattle that around in the old brain. I'm actually surprised he went with that formulation. <laughs> you know, considering it's like lefties that are just all RTing his stuff nowadays. Yeah. You know, like he actually opened himself up to some criticism there. Oh, no, he's with his within his own followers, but he's drawing a parallel. Oh, yes. There. Yes, that uh, is pretty interesting. Yeah, it's it's if it's a rejection of democracy and the rule of law because everyone knows yes. that Democrats have been very very strict on the rule of law, and of course Donald Trump is not. <laughs> <coughs> wow. Huh. <clears throat> well, I got to hand it to you, Holmes. I mean, you. You brought a lot of hot fire today, and those are great takes. But I think this is the end of Frum's yeah, run. Effective. I almost conceded. It's a two-round knockout I, for Sherry, my Sherry. To be honest with you, I almost took the unconventional step of just conceding after you put that out. <laughs> like, like storming like, out? I was like, you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> a full, a, this member of Congress bombed the DNC. <laughs> She assembled a pipe bomb in her gym. I mean, <laughs> she took it to the my gym. god, <laughs> just insane. Oh, that was well played. I had no shot. I had nine exhibits that I could have gone to, and I shuffled around as soon as you ran. I was like, I don't know, this is what I got. Well, so I mean, I was half expecting it uh, to be like a Merrick Garland blast because that's one of her hobby horses. Yeah, is like Merrick Garland. And I was not... ready. I was ready for an objection right. and to talk over that. Right. It's you know, it's he, he, Merrick Garland's not fighting hard enough. You know, he didn't have the courage to do the right thing. Right. Um, and that's that's normally where she goes. And I think you could have fought back against that. I don't think there was any way out of that. No. This situation was an unpenetrable fortress. You had a good run, though. I did have a nice run. Thank you to Mr. Frum for all of the enlightenment over the last few weeks. I appreciate it, as do the listeners of the Ruthless Variety program. With that, let's go to our interview. I want to welcome to the program an old friend of the program. Gosh, we love having him. And this is the first time he's actually been in our studio. Kurt Schlichter, how are you, sir? I am amazing. I'm surrounded by uh, the tribute that I paid. Because <laughs> <laughs> you guys are always like, well, I mean, Hung Cow brought the Kamala Harris stuff. That's Kamala Harris? Oh, dear God. I, I, uh, it's another 06. So you're getting like the Colonel tribute here. But uh, I decided I was going to get you guys wine because I'm a Californian. Yeah, right. And I love California. I just hate other Californians. Uh -huh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, you know, this stuff looks the, good. Uh, it is a, a terrific uh, Italian varietal from oh. uh, uh, the Santa Rosa area called uh, it's a Dolcetto. It is Idlewild. And I am sure there are a bunch of communists in real life. So they have there's no chance. <laughs> They're going to no, be like, no, I don't know how he even sold him. They, they don't, they, there's no chance. I'll know I'm pimping their wine out here. <laughs> Like Huggy Bear putting his uh, women out on the street and saying, "Bring me my money." Uh, by the way, highlight Jesus. of my highlight of my legal hot. 
Highlight of my legal career in Los Angeles, I'm walking out of the Spring Street Courthouse. I turn to the right, Antonio Farragas, yes, Huggy Bear from Starsky and Hutch is there, talking on my phone and saying, tell that lawyer bitch to get over here. I was like. <laughs> and then you ran over. <laughs> he always pays cash, which is yeah. amazing. Uh, he seems to have a, it's mostly ones. Uh, that was, I also saw Avenetti in there. He's like this tall. If you ever need a ring disposed of in the mount in Mount Doom, <laughs> and you know, well, I mean, I mean, Avenetti, of course, he's busy. Yeah. I was just going to say, I think he's tied up at the moment. He's yeah. he's he's in the dungeon, so to speak. <laughs> well, listen, uh, if you don't follow Kurt on social media, you need to do that immediately. But you also need to follow his his columns. You have two a week at uh, Town three. Hall. Three, three a week, three Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday. The Wednesday is for Town Hall VIPs. Townhallvip.com. <laughs> uh, and you also get my little 10-minute video, the stream of courteousness. My God, you have to see you too? And you can't just read you? I sit down and talk for 10 minutes. <laughs> and then I stop talking. And then I do a little podcast, usually with Arena, like, dragooned into it. She's sitting over there. She's hot. I was just going to say, she's definitely uh, uh, an improvement upon, Me. you know, your presentation. Yeah. I'm, I am that shallow that I literally <laughs> married a model. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you're also, I mean, look, you're a prolific writer. You write a ton of books. Promiscuous, I think. A promiscuous writer. Promiscuous writer. Well, let's go with that. I'll write anything, anywhere, anytime. Uh, Just so, buy me dinner. So you got something else coming out in that front, too. I do. I have the 8th Kelly Turnbull no uh, novel. It is called people uh, love this Overlord. Thing. The People's Republic series. I Look, I was one of the original Breitbart guys. I still have... Uh, I still have Andrew on my phone, and everybody talks about how great he was. Yeah. He he was great. He was. A, I've known a couple legitimate visionaries. Mm -hmm. Andrew is one of them. Yeah. And he famously formulated, politics is downstream from culture. We've got to go out and make culture. And about 2016, I was tired. And look, I like getting on planes and losing myself in an action novel, but if there's say a really I don't know short, uh. uh novel writer who always writes the same book every year you yeah. might get bored and get by like two pages i decided i wanted to do something else i was going to write about what happens if america splits in two red america yeah. blue america and then you send the red america guy into blue america and people are getting arrested for pronoun crimes there's militant fat people it's uh it, 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 it potentially it's, prosecuting your political opponents yeah, that kind of thing it's pretty much uh <laughs> turned into like a crystal ball in book form I, i'm constantly getting people going you know i thought your books were a little over the top now i think you're a squish <laughs> <laughs> So this is the eighth of them. I put out about one a year. The last one was Inferno. People should go out and get them. They're, they're a lot of fun. I, yeah. I, I've sold a Everybody lot. Everybody says that. I mean, yeah. they, and they're a breeze to read, too. Yeah, I don't. Look, I'm an infantry officer. I'm not going to fancy book learning. <laughs> if you find something with more than three syllables in it, she wrote it. <laughs> no big words. No big words. No big words. No, no care. And nothing about, I've got a lot of issues with my dad. Let's go down that path. No! <laughs> you're making fun of libs or you're shooting them. <laughs> I mean, 107,000 words. Kicking lip push. Oh, man. And you're an attorney. You've got that on I top am. of it. I mean, I've, you just got all the dials spinning all the time. Huh? I've, I, look, I've had an opportunity to do a lot of great things, uh, which is one of the reasons I do these things. Look, I'm a California kid. I grew up in the California of Ronald Reagan. Mm -hmm. I was born in Cincinnati. 
and mm. I, I, uh, I did not know that. I did. I am. I know you're a Cincinnati. We guy. get too much Cincinnati. There's talk a lot of Cincinnati, this. but you know, at about age six, you know, everybody in Cincinnati is so genuine and honest and open, and so they kicked my ass out. And said, <laughs> you need to go to California. Eventually, you're gonna be a lawyer. And I come to California. Reagan's governor. It's sunny. I'm living in uh, San Mateo. That's like heaven. At the same time, Greg Gutfeld is there. Greg Gutfeld actually went to the private school for rich kids down the street where Tom <laughs> Brady went and Lynn Swan went. And of course, I went to the public school where Lynn Swan was the attendance counselor or Lynn Swan's mother. Did you steal Gutfeld's uh, lunch money on the way to the way to school? Or I never, I never met him. But when I did his show, we're like, remember cruising El Camino? Oh yeah, cruising the L. <laughs> I was so. Sh- He's so awful on his show. I love him. He's so funny. He's so cool. And I'm on his show. I'm like in a completely different world. You know, it's like I got Tyrus looking at me going, what the hell is this guy? You're like at a high school reunion and they're like, no, to make the funny joke, bud. Like, yeah, like- be, be funny. <laughs> that was terrible. I didn't meet Cat Timp standards. Uh, <laughs> so good. I love it. So, like, are you just touring around here? I mean, I love I, the fact that you're in D.C., but you're never in D.C. I Look, I'm, I actually admitted to practice law here, and I come and see people huh. uh, occasionally. I like D.C. I, I came here in uh, 1986 mm. to be a intern for Duncan Hunter 1.0. Really? Now, if you think Duncan Hunter 2.0 was a wild man, <laughs> as the intern, I got the I got the job. Clean out Duncan Hunter 1.0's closet. Oh. Okay. This guy. I mean, this is a guy, <laughs> this is a guy who goes. When I was in Nam. We could tell it was a rich village because they had dogs. <laughs> and I, I mean, I'm like finding loaded shotguns. Oh. I mean, uh, and of course, Oppenheim, Oppenheimer Link saw it this weekend. I'm sitting, there's this crusty old dude sitting in his office. I go, hey, you know, who's Methuselah? That's Edward Teller. I go in there. I have a 20-minute sit-down with Edward Teller as a, uh, a, a you know, college junior senior. <laughs> talking about you know the the creation of the H bomb. I'm like with her and Oppenheimer going. I I partied with him, <laughs> and he's like giving me classic. What, what I later found out because I went in the military, I later found out was like highly classified information oh, about the about the Patriot missiles capabilities. This is 40 wow. years ago, so it's really well. I, I I later like five or six years later, I was literally underneath I was the just umbrella say. of Patriot missiles in the Persian Gulf War. Yeah, right. Uh, you see, I got my little thing here uh, denoting perfect attendance. I ran a heavily armed car wash. I mean, I'm no Pete Buttigieg, guys. Right? Okay. I, you know, I'm no Blumenthal. But did you fix Da Nang Dick. <laughs> That's freaking bad. Uh, yeah, we've got a lot to say. So. We've got a lot to say. All right, so <laughs> hold on. before we get too far off the rails, because this could go that way. Yeah, it's very early. It's derailing like a Palestine freight liner. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, let's get your take on where things sit. Presidential prime, you follow politics as closely as anybody else, and you engage in it, and, and you love the fight on social media, yeah. which I, I mean, listen, you speak to our hearts with that. Yeah. Where, where do things sit right now? Look, uh, I made no secret that I think the guy most likely to win for the Republicans in November of next year is Ron DeSantis. Yeah, I've heard for you say this. So give, give, our, give the benefit of our audience, lay that out. 
Uh, first of all, he is a, a, a governor who has a track record of achievements. Uh, he is within the band of normal, mm -hmm. which I think brings back a lot of uh, kind of the, you know, Chardonnay, Chardonnay swilling wine women contingent <laughs> of the Republican Party who kind of were like, Stop. I can't believe Donald Trump called that prostitute horseface <laughs> or whoever, you know, and uh, I, I, I think he has a chance of bringing them back. And I think he has a, 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 a chance to actually go head to head against the desiccated old pervert in the White House. <laughs> and the, 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 the simple fact is that 53% of Americans seem to hate Donald Trump. I am not one of them. I like Donald Trump. Mm -hmm. I think Donald Trump was generally a good president. If Ron DeSantis was to lose a nomination to Donald Trump and Donald Trump was to win, which I think is unlikely, I would party. I'd be like, yay, <laughs> because I want to beat the enemy. I want to win. That's all I care about. Right. To me, politicians are fungible. Yeah, this is I, this is your yes. your take. The, yeah, one politician. I am not loyal to a the idea that I should be loyal to a politician. Yeah. is so mind boggling to me. It is. To, it That's is like to, you should be loyal to your used car salesman. <laughs> <laughs> well, you got a real good deal on the Fort Tempo outside. It's, uh, you know, they don't give away that. Oh, baby! They don't give that. Mileage. Away. You're, you're going to want the clear coat. <laughs> you're going to well, want the clear and coat. And the undercarriage. You beat me to the clear coat. Yeah. <laughs> God. Dang. No, I think. Look, I think that's generally right. I'm actually surprised that more people that they don't have that point of view, right? I yeah. mean, because it's like, look, these people are elected by the people to serve the people. If you like what yeah. they're doing, you keep electing them. If you don't, you don't. Exactly. But like, you know, it's not like there's a permanency to it. We, I mean, we had a pretty significant revolution to stop that sort of thing. Well, yeah, I, you know, it was, <laughs> it, it was a market change from the previous administration. <laughs> we might call it a insurrection. <laughs> um, but, you know, and, the thing that gets me is a lot of the folks who really like Donald Trump are new to politics. Now, I have a lot of friends in the Donald Trump world who are very, you know, high level Donald Trump people. Yeah. And absolutely none of them are mad at me because I disagree. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't hate Donald Trump. I just don't think he's likely uh, is likely to win. So yeah. that's why I think we ought to get the air guy. None personal. I'm a lawyer. I literally disagree with everyone i talk to all day up for a job yeah it's not like i call the other lawyer and they go well, Kurt, you're right <laughs> how much would you like me to write the check for be nice if you mixed in a little finesse game from time to yeah, time it would but, be, you, know. you know the, the the thing is there are a lot of people who they're very new to politics and a lot of them are are not republicans mm -hmm. And they will, they, they, when they're not calling you a rhino. Yeah, which is that, that's yeah. a jarring deal. Yeah. It, 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 uh, you are a rhino, Republican in name only. And, uh, you know, also, I will only vote for Trump and no one else. Okay. <laughs> uh, words do mean things. But, but a lot of them are new. And they're like the new guy at church mm -hmm. who just got saved. Okay. He's very into the whole Jesus scene. And he's we, going to... Well, I think we call that the zeal of the convert. The zeal of the convert. Yeah. yeah. And he's going to share it with all the people who've been there for like 20 years. Right, right. right. And everybody's like, I know how this goes. It still gets annoying. <laughs> but no, I mean, look, the, the people supporting Trump, even the very angry ones, 
are people who are hurting, people who have been devalued. Uh, you look at Oliver Anthony, he is hitting a nerve. You look at the faces of those 13 uh, troops killed in uh, Kabul. Mm -hmm. And I had the honor of representing one of the families for a short time in my capacity as a lawyer. And you look at those, and those are not rich kids. Mm -hmm. And they are not the kids uh, competing for a private school slot in Manhattan. Mm -hmm. Right. And these are the people who built this country. They feed it, they fuel it, and they defend it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they believe that Donald Trump has their back. Mm -hmm. So I don't hate those people. I love those people. I think they are wrong tactically and strategically. But they are not bad people. I'm not going to hear a damn word against them. I'm going to try and convince them to think the way I do. And if they don't, I'm going to salute and support whatever nominee they pick. Because you're not a rhino. Because I'm not a rhino. <laughs> okay? I supported Ted Cruz to the point where I actually gave the man money. Yeah, well, it just that's saying something. Yeah, I'm 25% Scottish. Do you know the pain it is for me to give someone money? I know. I was wondering what we were going to do after you brought us all this wine. Like, I'm afraid what's up, what's next. next An invoice. Uh, <laughs> no, it, it, but it, look, I, but, 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 but he lost. He lost fair and square. The voters said we're going to go with Trump, I thought, yeah, we're doomed. Yeah. Trump threaded the needle. Mm -hmm. I support Trump through that. I, I came around to actively like Trump after. Because, you know, my problem wasn't that Trump was saying things I didn't like. I liked, I loved the things he was saying. I just didn't believe him. Yeah. Right? He's a he's a former Democratic donor guy from Manhattan. He's mm -hmm. a rich billionaire. He is gonna <laughs> he is gonna screw us over. And he didn't. Yeah. Look, I mean, there, there are things you can criticize about his administration. But generally, you know, I think he loved America. I think he loved the American people. Yeah. Well, and there was a lot. I mean, look, there was a lot of things that had been proposed being done by a lot of Republican presidential candidates over many years that didn't kind of come to fruition. But with him, there were many things that did. Well, look, the Republican Party for, for so many years has been a festival of onanism. That would uh, impress you said, uh, Dylan no. Stone Miller, <laughs> if you know what I'm saying. Can yeah. I just? That's, a little, that's what we call a callback in the business. <laughs> you said no big words, and onanism. It's in the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> it's in the Bible, guys. Okay. Uh, Own and. Ism. That's great. <laughs> I mean, for me, it's a stretch, but you know what I'm saying. So I get it. So, um, does it just come down to? the brass tacks of winning for yes. you like 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 with all that said yes. why not still support donald trump it's just the brass tacks of I don't winning think he, i don't think he's likely to win okay so uh the other side of that is why the draw still do you think in talking to people you know you look half the republican primary electorate still supporting donald trump you know how do you if, if you want to convince them to vote for ron DeSantis or or pick somebody who you think is more electable what do you say well it's a tough argument, and the argument I make is basically, hey, hold your nose and win. If if you don't think there's a positive case, and I do, I think there is a positive case for a guy like Ron DeSantis uh, based on what he's done and what I think he will do. But do you but think that? Do you work, think to these people winning is important? You That's know, the question. That is a great question. Look, uh, they because like if because if they are new to politics and and Donald Trump is all they really known yeah. that's the frame of reference if it's not him is there anything for them in politics at all no they think it's a loss right so th this group of people so and then electability really isn't an argument that matters to them so it's, it's um it, 
there are a certain number of people you're just going to have to write off who will never vote for anybody but Donald Trump. Yeah. You just got to accept that. And if Donald Trump loses the nomination, they're going to go. I think the bet you're making is that the Republican nominee who isn't Donald Trump, and I think that's pretty much Ron DeSantis. I don't see a lane for the other folks. I, that that he's going to bring back more of the people who've been alien because there are look we all have soft friends right who are like well, Donald Trump he's just I mean you know the mean tweets <laughs> you know like what about the inflation well I like the inflation in the stock market and the not getting in any more wars I think that was all good but you know those tweets though they were so mean <laughs> and it's like okay femboy <laughs> hold back although I. <laughs> You know, I mean, although I did, I, I remember when <laughs> in the rub to the election, we, we had, you know, some friends over and the wife was very much that. Yeah. And I looked over at the husband, right? And he just went, <laughs> that's the sound of the eyes rolling into the back of my head. <laughs> and um, that was when I thought, oh, maybe this guy can win. <laughs> um, certainly isn't going to win California. <laughs> no. No, but for sure. uh, yeah, look, I'm in Ted Lou's district. I don't want to hear anything from anybody about <laughs> yeah, the trouble. It's a very, it's a oh. very, very tough district. And look, we can talk presidential politics till we're blue in the face. But you, I'd like to ask you about media landscape because you're a guy who and you you mentioned this just a little bit ago. You were with Andrew Breitbart yes. right at the very beginning of his vision. And he saw something so long ago that a lot of other people just didn't. He knew that the media was headed in a certain direction. And so I wonder if you could just talk about like your view of the media landscape, where it's where it's come, and what, what do you think Breitbart would say about the current state of affairs? Well, Andrew would say, I told you so. Mm. Uh, what we have is a regime media, a media that has uh, stopped any pretense of objectivity. Now, they were always left. You know, the post oh, yeah. was always going to be yep. left. But, you know, when I'm coming up, you know, the post was like, eh, you know, Bill Clinton's got some issues here. And they'd follow it up. They will actively hide it now. They will actively suppress it. Mm -hmm. They will actively lie to their listeners or listeners, readers, mm -hmm. both of them. Uh, <laughs> I mean, for God's sake. Yeah. The, the Washington Post hires as a conservative columnist, Jennifer Rubin, <laughs> my fellow Los Angeles civil litigator. Uh, She's one of our favorites. Yeah, she, she is. She, her name comes up occasionally on the program. It does. Um, they, at some point, they went from at least pretending to be neutral observers to being active participants, wanting part of the glory of it. Now, here's the thing about a lot of these regime media guys, all right? They have a little bit of attention, right? Mm -hmm. But they have no money, mm. okay? So they've got this, like, disconnect between all the people who are, like, lobbyists or lawyers or whatever. <laughs> and, you know, they're, you know they're, they're covering these guys. Then they're going home and having, you know, a cup of ramen. <laughs> <laughs> and I think uh, uh, now what they really do is, well, look, I want my share you know, maybe if I suck up to the leftist line enough, I'll get a book deal. Yeah, I'll sell a book, or I'll you know I'll get on uh, you know Commies Today podcast or whatever. Yeah, what, I, what, Today. what do you think, Andrew That's Breitbart? What do you think he'd he'd make of the conservative media landscape today? Because it's you know it's changed a lot, very it's grown different. a lot. It has. Yeah, um, I think he would be very disappointed in say National Review because you know I'm old. When I was in college in San Diego, 
the National Review that came every two weeks, that was my lifeline to conservatism. Mm -hmm. That was, for, for all the guys who wrote on the conservative paper, that, that was it. Mm -hmm. That was it. Mm -hmm. You couldn't, nothing on the radio. Rush was a couple years away. Mm. Nothing. That was it. So to see National Review kind of devolve and, and include the bulwark and the dispatch and the rest of the guys who <laughs> I have grave doubts about them. Uh, <laughs> they it, 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 it's sad because they it, it seems to me they're trying to solidify, you know, their little kind of social sinecure mm -hmm. in this uh, media landscape. And it's like, well, it, it, it's like being uh, a weak guy on the cell block. Mm -hmm. There are a couple things I got to do to keep getting the crap beat out of me. But, you know, if I shut my eyes real tight and do them, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to get beat up. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to remain alive. Yeah. And I think a lot of them are in that uh, uh, situation. You know, I don't. A lot of these guys are also not accountable in the way. Uh, those of us outside of this are. I mean, in your guys' work, you either win or you lose, and there's accountability. Mm -hmm. I, as a lawyer, I win or I lose, there's accountability. As a soldier, I win or I lose, oh, there's accountability. Yeah. Although, in, when it comes to washing trucks, not that much. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a question of lather. Um, but it, it, these guys, you know, if you're in this media world, it doesn't really. No, it's it's hundred percent right. Yeah, you'd be wrong about stuff all the time. Yeah, and it doesn't really matter. Now, I'm occasionally wrong about things. <laughs> I was wrong. I thought Trump was going to lose, but at least I'm interesting, which mm -hmm. a lot of these guys don't have. Well, and you spend a little bit of time trying to educate yourself to get to a point where you have an opinion, which is the other thing. Wow, well, you know, I mean, look, do, we, do you have to do that these days? I mean, not really. I thought if they shoved a mic in your face, you got something to say. It, 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 do you find it fascinating? Because I find it fascinating. I mean, for somebody you know like us who spend a number of years in the business trying to figure out the best way to win. Yeah. Period. Yeah. Right. And and that's always been our end goal of things. And then in today's media landscape, you get what you just defined, and then you get this whole host of other squad on the right that is dealing with. Like they just showed up yesterday and they've got tons of opinions. Well, they they do. And one of the one of the things about me is I'm old old AF. Yeah. Okay. I was literally born the last week of the baby boom. Okay. I mean, I remember Brady Bunch. First so you're run. technically a boomer. I'm technically. I mean, a that's boomer. disrespectful, Michael. That you've said so many ne negative things oh, about Kurt. Yeah, I re I regret none of it. They're all true. <laughs> yeah. I get all the blame. It's like I was here for one week. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> I feel like one of the lesser indicties in Atlanta. <laughs> he picked up a ringing phone and said, hello, Rico. That's me with the boomers. Um, sort of the undercard. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> What's under there? Who's the opening act for the opening act? <laughs> All right. Imagine being the opening act for the opening act of Nickelback. Okay, that's me as far as being a boomer. Um, no, but the thing is, I, I'm old enough to know what I don't know. And I came into this, and I did not know anything about campaigns. Mm. And I have taken it myself to try and learn from people who actually go out and do campaigns. Well, and you, you know see what? it, but you see it in your writing. I mean, the thing well, is... it's a lot harder than, you know, a lot of people... Well, why don't you go out there and shout about, you know... <laughs> Whatever pisses you off. Yeah, well, you know, he should do more. I and mean, I'm like, well... Look, there's a lot more to it. And if people understood kind of the high-tech nature of some of the 
uh, meat and potatoes of campaign, mm -hmm. the information processing, how you're trying to target voters, how you actually go from, uh, you know, random, massive random dudes to a set number of counted ballots. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of steps there. And that's some I, I, I didn't know. And I, I learned about it. And it is more complex. It is fascinating that politics is also like sports in that regard where there's a level of like fandom and, and passion yeah. that exists where someone could be like on their couch watching TV and been like, I would have went with a three, four defense. How there. do you not do a play? You know, how against how is front? it? Yeah, right. <laughs> well, I right. know nothing of your sports ball analogy. <laughs> I literally have no time for baseball or whatever the sport you were talking all, about. All, is. All, all I'm saying is <laughs> what I'm saying is like, oh, like the disparity between yeah. fandom and practitioners. Yeah, like, the only really other exi other exists is in sports. Right. Yes. But we all feel like we like our opinion uh, is yeah. like like we do it for a living. Well, look, it. it, it, it coming from a Los Angeles trial lawyer, it may seem a bit disconcerting <laughs> to hear, but you should be a little bit humble sure, and understand that maybe there's more to it. Now, that uh, part of the fun of, you know, watching the football game yeah. would be, no, I would have thrown the ball instead of kicked it or whatever. That was, very, that was, that was appropriate. Yeah. Appropriate use. No, you did. That was good. Oh, yeah. Wow. So look, look at you. Okay. So you- A lot of growth here. Okay. So- A lot of growth and, here. And hopefully you do it right and make a home run. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but the, 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 the thing is you should be like, okay, well, maybe there's a little more going on here. Uh, again, it doesn't mean accept excuses. Right. I don't want excuses. I want, I want a want check in the W column. And that's one of the things, well, you know, Trump was up against people cheating and blah, blah, blah. It's like, I know, I went and lawyered <laughs> after the election. I saw cheating. I saw changes to the rules mm -hmm. that were unlawful. I saw uh, informal interventions by institutions that were unprecedented. So if you say, was this a rigged election? Uh, yeah. And Trump also lost it because he's not in the White House. It, 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 your job is to overcome all those things. And if... Democrats cheating was like some shock to you that you were like, oh, what? what? Wait, what? Huh? That you didn't uh, uh, prepare? I, I, you commander in chief. Commander's responsible for everything a unit does or doesn't do. Mm. Okay? You either win or you lose. And it's on you. Mm -hmm. now, don't hate the guy. That's just how it is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I'm not... I don't want excuses. Yeah, good intentions be damned. Yeah, I, I don't care about it's excuses. It's a win or a loss at the end of the yeah. day. You either win or you lose. Yeah. Nobody ever said, Kurt, I want you to get in there as a lawyer and try your hardest. <laughs> I think I guarantee you, no one has ever done that, especially after I invoice. <laughs> <laughs> Is that what when you only wear the bow tie in front of the jury? <laughs> <laughs> you may ask why I am nude. <laughs> Do I have I'll your... get to that. <laughs> Do I have your attention, ladies and gentlemen? Because, <laughs> as you can see, you have mine. <laughs> hey -o. And we're back to Dylan Stone Miller. <laughs> I got 96 problems. <laughs> I got 96 birthdays. Anyway. <laughs> Thank you. I had to go to the uh, Stone Miller well, guys. Oh, yeah. I had to draw from it, so to speak. <laughs> It's, it's a deep well. Oh, oh man. This That's really... one punished primate. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Speaking speaking of primates. Oh. 
Oh yeah, we, we did. Got a, we've got a good question. You know, oh. we asked you, you the last time you were on. You gave yes. you three questions. You know what the three questions yes, are. So we're not going to ask you those again. But okay. there is one question that we ask everybody, including people who are running for president of the United States. I know what it is. I've given a lot of thought. Oh well, okay. Well, oh, I'm just going to ask you just to keep up the formalities, and I really cannot wait for your answer. Okay. Kurt Schlechter, mano a mano. What is the absolute biggest animal that you could take? Full-grown Komodo dragon. <laughs> <laughs> I need, I need a full explanation. Now, as Arena will tell you, I am a fan of reptiles. I, I, I had giant desert lizards before I went off to in, in your uh, home deployment. Yes, I kept wow. them. She was like, why do you have these things? And I'm like, they're beautiful. It's soothing. I mean, no offense, Kurt, but a guy that doesn't watch sports and keeps lizards in his house, I kind of Well, I don't anymore that. because the army guy who wasn't deploying <laughs> I left him with managed to kill all my lizards oh, while I was gone. I'd be oh, like no. overseas in Kosovo, you know, doing something. I get an email. Hey. Sorry, but Ed's gone. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, you know, the Komodo dragon, first of all, it's a foul creature. Yeah. Its mouth is a seething cauldron of disgusting bacteria. Yeah. It once bit off the toe of Sharon Stone's wife at the San Francisco Zoo. Really? She brought her, who was a columnist for the, uh, or an editor at the uh, Chronicle, brought him to the zoo as a special thing to show him the Komodo dragons. It bit off his toe. It led to the breakup of their marriage. <laughs> so this lizard, first of all, so this lizard's a home record. It's you're... the Mika Brzezinski of the reptile family. Oh, wow. Uh, here, I thought blast. it was basic I wanted, instinct. I wanted, to throw, uh, I wanted to throw a little Scarborough into, by the way, have you ever seen Scarborough's uh, rock single? I have not. It's worth a look. Okay. Wait, are you serious? Yes, he has a video of him playing his Come song. On. No, I couldn't make that up. Come on. We we, we should check it out after the show is over. Anyway, the Komodo dragon. Yeah. It is, it's huge, the biggest lizard. It's disgusting. It's vicious. But I am a Los Angeles trial lawyer. Yeah. I am big, disgusting, and vicious. <laughs> and I think, uh, you know, I, I, I think I could take it down. And if not, well... Then, then I would die fighting. Do you have, wait, do you have a move? Like, I mean, look, it's a, you know, I mean, like this thing. Is... Am I in the octagon? I mean, yeah. because yeah. I might want to get up on the corner and do some sort of like body slam Come from on the, the lizard. Row. Because yeah, because the lizard, I mean, look, it can rear up a little, but it's not going to be like coming at me on a hind legs like like a kangaroo. Well, because like, I'm on. I don't think. Like, does it have like fish eyes? Does it look out the side so you can get it from the top? Like, how does that yeah, work? But, but it's a predator, so it's got the uh, you know the right. uh, full vision. Uh, the full vision. Yeah. But I don't think he'd ever think to look up. Yeah. It's like uh, uh, Star Trek II Wrath of Khan. See, remember, Kirk got a drop on him because he was thinking in the XY, right? The two-dimensional? Right. But space is three-dimensional, XYZ. So you get up on the turnbuckle. Yes. And you sort of fly in like the ultimate warrior. Yes. You get around yeah. behind it and I then chokehold. Chokehold choke that thing because it's got a big neck. Yeah. That's the opening. Yeah. Yeah. And that's where you get a him. sensitive little neck. That's where you get me. You just whisper his ear, go to sleep. <laughs> go to sleep. Dragon. Dragon. <laughs> Drag this. Okay, smog. Uh, Not smug. Smog. It's a little hobbit call back. Yeah. I love that. You know, you're the coolest nerd I've ever met, Kurt. Oh, dear God. <laughs> I know. I can't believe I know that much about Star Trek and Lord of the Rings. I mean, look at her. I have two children. You know I've had sex. I can't be a Trekkie. I was going to say, are we breaking news to your wife? Because I feel like this is, you know. She's over there sobbing. Oh, boy. (laughs) 
I love it. Listen, you're welcome back here anytime. We are so uh, thankful for your friendship. We love following you along and, and reading all of your stuff, including your books and your town hall columns. Well, I appreciate it. You guys uh, accompany me on my daily walks through Ted Lou's district. And as I'm hopping over junkies and junkie spore, uh, I'm listening to you guys. That's great. So, That's uh, great. Thank you for having me. You are the man, and thanks for the wine, pal. Oh, my really pleasure. Really appreciate it. And he really, really brought the energy. He I does. Just, I, he's he's a lot of fun. Yeah, he, and he's got he's got a great sense of humor, and he's and he's like you know he takes jabs and gives them back, and you gotta love it. Well, it was very. I think it's it's it was one of our best interviews because we had a ton of fun. We did a lot of irreverent stuff, but we also I think got to the heart of the problem that we're trying to deal with right now in the Republican primary, which is like. We got two issues. We've got, you know, voters who are with Trump no matter what. And Trump has a really hard time winning suburban voters. And those suburban voters, we also need to win. Yeah. <laughs> it's like we're between a rock and a hard place. And, you know, whoever can crack that code of, you know, persuading both is going to be the nominee. Maybe you know they they win the nomination and and lose in the general election because they can't get the suburbans if you're if you're Trump but likewise like it's also possible that you know that base doesn't show up if it's not Donald Trump and you end up with the opposite problem where you don't get the turnout in the rurals and it's all for naught anyway yeah. and those are the things that sort of keep me up at night as somebody who's sort of has to prognosticate all this stuff. no question yeah. about it and I, I was glad we got to, we got him to talk about andrew breitbart yeah. a little bit i mean this guy is a father of modern conservative media in a lot of ways and he was there with him from the beginning and um i i i was really glad that we got into that conversation yeah, yeah. no solid stuff well fellas i think we did it i think we did it and i think we should go to hollywood hen again another banger of an episode folks so until next time minions keep the faith Hold the line and own the libs. Stay ruthless.